Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the CTO Fellows podcast. And today I have with me Jonathan Schultz. He's a hiring specialist, and we've met a while ago on LinkedIn, and we had some great discussions about strategic ideas of hiring persons, about company culture, how those things actually affect your company, your outcome, your daily business, and all this kind of stuff that made us think of... Uh, actually recording a podcast and talk about that, discuss about that, so you can participate on what Jonathan already knows about this kind of stuff and his experience in this field, which is quite valuable in my opinion. So hello, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Good morning. Pleasure to be on. And, and I agree completely. I loved our last conversation and I think we could have gone for hours if we hadn't been back up against other things. So it's great to get back on and go in even deeper. Yeah, we had before, even before the recording, we had already conversation and we should stop there and say, okay, we need to record this in order to get it out and not already talk about this. So we can talk for hours actually. So maybe can you introduce a little bit yourself? What are you doing We're coming from where you want to go. What's what's your content about on LinkedIn? Right, right. Well, so I guess as an introduction, I retitled myself as a hiring strategist not long ago because I couldn't find a place where I fit anymore. What I do and, and how I think and just doesn't, I won't say mislabeled, but people don't understand. Uh, I needed to find a way to force people to ask me, what what is it that you do exactly? Because I didn't, you know, I don't fit as a technical recruiter. I don't fit as these other things. And so hiring strategist, I mean, the best description I've come up with is very simply, you, you know, when people complain about, you know, the interview process or hiring and how it doesn't work and it's broken. Well, that's where I spend my time. I help managers, I help companies, I help individuals fix that so that everyone loves it because it's very, very doable for that process to be wonderful. It doesn't, you know, would it be different if, hey, I have to hire for my team. And you get excited about it versus going, oh, no, this is going to be a headache, right? So, that's yeah. Yeah. So I can relate to that. You know, I'm CTO myself. So I have a company. So there are people working there. And every time we need to hire someone with my business partner, we sit there and say, okay, how are we going to do that? So basically we don't have any strategy at all. So we find a place where we can place some ads, for example, on LinkedIn. And then, yeah, let's hope the best and go for some interviews. And we don't even go for technical interviews. And as you described it in one of your posts and comments, it's about a gut feeling. You know, we do that with a gut feeling method. It's not the best method, actually. It's a little bit like gambling and it worked for us. So we are happy about that. So if we want to scale, if we want to grow further, we know that this might not be the best way. You can, you know, can always have some gut feeling and it's always good to have some intuition as well. But a system does help you definitely to get a better overview of what's out there. And I think this is what you actually going to do for the people. So this is what I understood when I read your content and read your posts. This is the reason why I can talk about that now. Two months ago, I wasn't really aware of those things. So yes. Jonathan, can you talk a little bit about how it is for other companies out there? So I can speak of my company, I can speak of my experience, but how is it with other companies? What is your experience there? What are their problems? What are their stories? So what are their pain points? You know, how is it there? Right. I always tell people, my phone rings when somebody's really annoyed, right? And so 
the first thing I hear is all of their problems. What's not working? And number one seems to be the instigator of all that is we posted a job. I'm seeing lots of resumes. None of them are a fit or the, maybe I get one that's a fit, but they're gone really quick, right? I mean, you know, we start the interview process and they opt out early because they already had a couple other offers, right? So there's that frustrating point where you don't want to wait forever. You know, you don't want to wait on advertising. We know that even in a down market, great people are always in high demand, right? So if yeah. we have our sourcing strategy, which is most often posting a job ad and waiting for those responses. And sometimes, you know, like in a market now, we get an overwhelming amount of responses. But it, as that comes toward us, if, if we're not getting what we need there, then we have to go to phase two, phase three. What are our other options? And that's usually where people think that the big problem is. And sometimes it is. Sometimes advertising isn't going to produce if you're in a hurry. Actually, more often than not, advertising is not going to produce great results if you're in a hurry. But more often, there's other mitigating factors, right? We haven't taken a step back and looked at our strategy and defined fully what we want. I think yesterday or a couple of days ago, I wrote a post about that first phase. And that's don't define, you know, even as a manager, I know you're not a recruiter, but even as a leader, you can't just define it, write a job description. You actually have to take the next step and understand what you're searching for you know, and what you need to define so that interview process goes well. How are you going to vet somebody out if you don't fully define what you're looking for? Most of the time, we write a job description, it's full of skills, and maybe there's a description of the company, maybe there's a little bit of responsibilities listed, but that's it. And maybe a few soft mm -hmm. skills. But, you know, we don't ask ourselves all the hard questions like, how is my team going to accept this guy? How is this guy going to fit in my team? We say we're all about doing a cultural interview, which should cover that topic, right? But what we really do is we interview for personality because we haven't really dug in to understand what are the character qualities that our best people on our team have? What does our team believe about these different topics? And so if we start out not with a partial at best definition, how are we going to expect to get good results? You don't write software without good requirements, right? Well, how are you going to hire without great requirements? Yeah, actually, this really makes me think because yesterday I just recorded a video about understanding. So I often write about you need to understand before you actually can do. And the core essence is what you just said. You know, it's like that. And I think it's very important to understand it because in my own company, we weren't understanding what we're actually looking for. It is about defining requirements like you would do in a software development area and qualities in different areas, not only technical skills, but cultural things as well. When you have those things, you will actually be able to find persons quicker so in order that those people are not, let's say, getting catched by another company in that time. So is that basically the connection in between those things? Absolutely. Well, I mean, my immediate response to that is twofold. Number one, yes, our interview process is going to be so much smoother and you're going to be able to get yourself and the other people interviewing on the same page if you define it well, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've figured out that the problem with the interview process for a specific new client is that 
the leader has written the job description. And when you ask each of the team members, what's the highest priority? What are they interviewing for? Everyone has a different priority. I'm like, you got to feel bad for the person being interviewed, right? He should be feeling bipolar by the end of the thing. Like, well, what do they want? <laughs> you know, this was important to this guy. This was, you know, and granted, we all do have different focuses and priorities. So, I mean, that makes sense to some extent, but we can, if we define really well, then it's easy to level set before we start. Right. And so the second part for me, and I don't expect most leaders to think this through, but if you define it really well, then I can help you. Right. If you define it really well, then if you have internal recruiting folks, they can help you. And a great recruiter is going to be able to draw a lot of this out of a manager. Right. When they say partner with a manager, which is a comment that we refer to when we're talking about this relationship of a recruiter helping a manager, then that means that they're good at getting the information out of them and fine tuning it and presenting it after presenting a few candidates to you, they're going to tune that more, right? You know, to understand w what it is that you really don't want, what is it you really do want. And, uh, and this is foundational for step two and three for the interviewing and then for assessment. I mean, how can you assess against something that you haven't defined? Actually, this reminds me so much again on software development. And I think this is the reason why we came together, actually, because we are in different areas, but somehow it feels like the same area. You know, you talk about requirements first. You've talked about understand first. You talked about define qualities in order to make assessments later. And this is the very same thing when you plan software on a strategic or tactical level is basically the same. So. Of course, we're talking about recruitment, especially in the software development area now. It is important for our listener to understand that when they have problems with hiring, they can actually use a method which is so similar and aligned to their actual doing every day when they work together with you, for example, just to learn about those things, how you can do this. I wasn't realizing that before right now. So I just learned something now. So it's a great thing. Would you say that you mentioned the thing I just wanted to ask about that you need to respect the cultural aspects in your team. For example, you hire a person for a specific team, let's say a DevOps team, and you need a new senior developer there. So how would you weight the culture uh, against the technology, for example, I write a lot about culture versus technology and stuff like that. How would you say is the current emphasis on each of those points? And what would you say is more important for a company in terms of hiring? Right, right. I think this makes complete sense. Technical skills are a no-brainer. And what I mean by that is every candidate has to have a reasonable set of technical skills for to get hired as a software engineer, right? I mean, that's kind of like, that's just like the baseline, right? And really no one should even get into the interview process unless that that basic skill set has been vetted out. Everything else is an overlay on that. Everything else is an upgrade. And so if we think of the person that we want to hire, if we look at them from a full 360 degree view, technical skills is just, let's say it's 25% of this, pie chart, right? Well, mm -hmm. that leaves a lot of room, right? What are all the other character, uh, other qualities? Well, clearly culture is big and we can define that in a lot of ways. I find, unfortunately, it's, it's not defined well, and which means we just interview on personality. But when I think of culture, I define it as the 
values and beliefs of the leader and the team playing out in decisions and actions, right? So if you've assembled a team and your team has been together for a year, your team knows your leadership style. They know how you make decisions. They know, which means, are you really tapping them for information and then making the decision? Or are you getting together with them? And is the team making that decision together? I mean, whatever the process is, that's the process for your team, right? And so that's part of your culture. And how do you manage conflict when you're having technical discussions and you don't agree with one of your senior engineers or they don't agree? How do you manage that? And have you assembled a team that can manage that conflict very effectively to bring you to much better solutions? Or is that kind of a turn toxic on you, right? Because, you know, somebody has to make a final decision. We can't go forward without a decision. And whoever's offended, that their decision wasn't chosen, do they walk around in a funk for a month, kind of with a chip on their shoulder, upset and dragging their feet because they don't like the solution. They're implementing it, but they're hating it, right? They're upset about it. So what are all these other factors? And can we get right down to the values? We talk all about how culture is values and beliefs, but it's not the values and beliefs that you post on your website. It's the values and beliefs that are truly held by the team. And it's true, we can discuss those and we can impact our culture to a degree by saying, okay, we might be at point A, but point B is we wanna be living these values, right? None of us are there yet because we're not perfect, we're human and we're on the continuum between where we are and the values that, that we really want to be acting on, but, that's different than saying, oh, well, you know, what's posted on our website, that's how we act. It's not how we act. Right? <laughs> so yeah. to understand that and to communicate that effectively means now you're not sounding like a hypocritical leader who says one thing and does something else. Right. And so and defining those things means that we really can interview against those. I don't want to go super deep into assessment, but when we're interviewing, if we know what we're looking for in advance, we can spend some time on assessment right after the interview and say, did I see signs that this engineer is a great team player? You know, when he was explaining his past projects, what did he emphasize the fact that when he was describing the project and how it played out and what problems they had, that he ended up just by default, there was a problem and he just stepped in and he helped handle it. Did he diffuse conflict? naturally, right? Because he knew that one of your senior engineers did that. Boy, that makes a team run so much better than the leader have to do that all the time, right? If different members of the team step in and help those things along. Anyways, we go on that forever. Did I touch on most of your question or did I leave something hanging? Actually, it was great to hear that because I was really thinking about what you just said. And for my understanding, it is like culture, mindset, beliefs, all this kind of stuff are very soft skill things. It is like those soft aspects you cannot really write down something and say, okay, this is not a technical thing. And what I learned now is you actually define 
call to requirements. So would you call them like that? Is it a big part? So when you say only 25% is technical and you can do that by a technical interview, for example, just, you know, have it like a pattern, just a playbook and you go through the things and make an assessment if this person is technically able to fulfill the role. But the cultural aspect is basically way more complicated. So could you make a specific example about a culture requirement? For example, something you just have experienced, for example, what is a commodity between several companies? What is something a company is yet missing in their view about how to actually recruit people? Is there some specific requirement you would like to tell? I think this reflects our global culture, right? And globally, as a culture, and I can speak from American culture, I won't try to speak from German culture, but we're lurching away from free enterprise and free markets toward more control and more socialist type aspects. And I think we have a responsibility in many ways to think about our community and serve our community, not just our own needs, right? But I think the more our government gets involved in that, it gets pretty messy, right? So, but culturally, I think that trend is pushing that direction. And so when we see that reflected in our individual team cultures, then what happens is we get this, I don't want to call it bipolar, but we get this tug back and forth between the two. Is my team a meritocracy or are we more, everyone talks all about DEI, right? And I think the basic tenets behind DEI are awesome but I don't see it playing out in very good ways for companies. What I see it as being a kind of affirmative action situation where we say we want diversity, but diversity should come from great interviewing, right? Great assessment, because we want to hire the best person, no matter where they're from, no matter what they look like, no matter how they talk, we shouldn't care. Our interview process should stand on its own, which means we're bringing in fantastic people with great minds who speak intelligently and are great problem solvers. That's what we want. We don't want diversity for diversity's sake, right? And so when our inner team culture gets stuck in that and we're not a meritocracy, then how do you attract great people to your team, right? If you bring somebody great into your team and they clearly have better engineering skills and they have better architectural skills, but your team makes their decisions democratically. And if their great architectural recommendation gets vetoed and you go with mm. one that's not good, then you have a problem, right? You know, and so if we can't assess those things, then we do bring in people that aren't going to be a fit culturally for our team. And then that's where things eventually go toxic, right? You can't say that we're a meritocracy and we decide based on this set of criteria and then not do it consistently. And when, when people are just calling you for help, helping them to create that strategy, is it often that you face already a toxic environment where you see the results of bad hiring habits or missing strategies? Is it like that? I, I wish I could say no. I think the flip side of that is the more I'm connecting with clients over great in over great practices like the way you and I connected, right? Then it's less. When I get a referral and someone calls me because they're just having all these problems, then we can we can go deep and we can define some things that are toxic. 
And sometimes leaders are like, man, this is exactly what I needed to know. I knew we had a problem and I knew it wasn't going right. I just didn't know how to put my finger on it, right? And that's fair. Why would we think as leaders that if we spend 5% of our time on hiring, that we would ever do enough of it to get great at it? And personally, I'd be embarrassed if I wasn't very deep and wide in many of these topics. And I can immediately see things that other people can't see because I see it over and over and over. That makes sense. I, I think if there's one thing that helps leaders really quickly formulate their own strategy is for me just to walk them through the definition process, right? Because they've given, you know, most will give me a job description and say, okay, let's go do this. I'm like, no, no. Sometimes if I'm on a video call, I'll say, I had your job description here and I'll crumple it up and I'll throw it over my shoulder to the garbage can. And they're like, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, well, that's, that's not even good. In, that's not even great information. That's like, I read it. It's basically a minimum. Let's start and let's really write down what you need this guy to do. That was a list of skills. That doesn't tell me anything. You know, let's talk about what you're building and how this guy's going to fit into your team. And then let's talk about number two. It's called, a, in recruiting, people call it the, an EVP, your employee value proposition. Like, why does this guy want to come to your team? What's good about your team? You should know. <laughs> or you yeah. should know what your problems are, right? So that you can be tra as transparent as you can in the interview process, right? Let them know what the good points of your team are. What Let them know what the things that you guys are trying to fix and upgrade, right? Because then you're going to get a, a good fit for your team. You know, what aren't you telling them? And you should want to learn what they're looking for from that standpoint. Are they looking for a team? Their last team was full of conflict. Are they looking for you know, a more peaceful team? Are they looking for, you know, a lot of learning and growth? So we should know that. I mean, part of recruiting is selling your team to the incoming person, right? And they should be selling themselves to you that they have the right skills and abilities. So after we do have a basic job description and we've done an EVP, we need to do that next phase. We need to do, some call it a persona, right? Let's define the qualities that this person's going to have and how do we get those qualities? Well, let's look at our team. If we assess ourselves and our team members, what are the qualities that we see in our best people? And is that heavily leaning toward team skills? Is it core values, right? Is it honesty, integrity, passion for excellence? What is it? I don't know what it is, but I help leaders build that. And most of this stuff, you don't have to do it every day, right? When you're defining a new search, you just have to kind of define the specifics of that job once you've defined all these other things about your team. Most people don't have that. So the first search that I do with them, it's an extensive upfront deal, right? They're like, you, what do you mean it may take three or four conversations you know, between us to get this thing ramped up? I'm like, well, do you want to define the requirements well and go in the right direction? Or do you want to rewrite and rewrite and refactor and rewrite and, you know, and usually if I speak in software development terms, then it makes sense, which is kind of why you hear me speaking that way, because I've got used to speaking with those terms. I mean, I don't know that all recruiters use the same terminology to talk about how the recruiting process should work or how the hiring process should work. Okay, so 
when I understand correctly, so the majority of the work is actually to define the right requirements, qualities, and prepare for the interviews without having a specific person yet in view. So it's basically you prepare your company, your whole process. And this process, correct me if I'm wrong, but the process you define is not only for one specific role. It is like a foundation. And this foundation can be used for specific roles afterwards. So you can basically then adjust this role. If you're looking for a front-end junior developer, you can then adjust it for a back-end senior developer, but you have the same foundation. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And the reason why I, I spell that out really specifically is because I have managers that are ready to freak out, you know, when they're like, why do we have to spend so much time? I'm like, we just have to do it once, right? And each time we do a new search, we're going to define a lot of new things about that specific search, how that specific backend engineer is going to fit into your team. And me knowing, you know, your team members and how all that's going to fit together helps me when I'm on the phone with them doing an interview. And because what do engineers want to know? They want to know the qualities of the team they're going to be working on. They don't want a list of skills. I mean, great. Okay. That's a good starting point, right? You know, that's fine. But you know, what are the criteria that you're going to use to decide whether you're going to accept that job or not, or decline that job, right? It's going to be the manager, their leadership style. Is this manager going to help me grow my team? Am I going to become better here? And the engineers on the team, is this a smart group? I mean, it, you, you can use all kinds of terms, right? You know, am I going to be surrounded by brilliant minds? that are going to challenge me and we're all going to learn together. And at the end of the day, we're going to be really proud of what we do because we're building great stuff, right? How much time have we thought spent thinking about how we decide, right? Because what you present, I mean, honestly, I have managers that spend 15 minutes on the front end of their interview giving a sales pitch about the company. Yeah, they can read that. Why don't you tell them about your team? Why don't you tell them about what you're building? And this doesn't apply only to engineering. It applies to the sales. You know, if I'm hiring a sales guy too, right? Yeah, they want to know about the company, but they want to know about the leaders that they're working with and the other team members. If I'm a sales guy, I'm in a team meeting. I want to know I'm surrounded by high profile guys who deliver results, right? Because I'm going to learn from them. My ramp up is going to be really fast if I'm surrounded by brilliant people who are already solving the problems that I know I'm going to have to solve, you know, once I walk in the door. You put a lot of emphasis as well on the actual interview then to make sure that the applicant is in some kind of focus as well. So it's not only about the company finding a person and everyone, you know, who's applying is an anonymous person somehow. It is more like you need to have a fit on both sides, right? So how is it out there, actually? The majority of the clients you have, the managers you work with, are they actually already putting emphasis on the applicants or is it like just fill a position like HR is doing? So I just ask that because HR is often not really interested in that person. They just want to come to their KPIs and just, you know, fill positions. And how is your take on that? How would you say how important it is to focus on the applicant, him or herself? Well, I think, I mean, let's look at the statistics. And I can only really speak to national statistics here in the States, but 
I suspect they're the same worldwide. I don't think that they're probably much different. We have this huge list of things that are broken about hiring. And then this list of problems that follow on from, if we're reading through the list of hiring metrics nationally, we have much higher than we did 10 years ago, hiring mistakes, right? We just hired the wrong guy. We have quiet quitting. We have engagement problems. We have early turnover. We, I mean, there's this long list and all those numbers have been going up and up and up. Now, one of the reasons for those numbers creeping up even a little bit more is that the workforce has changed or is changing. We don't see jobs the way we saw jobs 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. We, it's just very, it's very plain to see. You can't miss it unless you're just hiding, you know, with your head in the sand. When you speak to a candidate, they're thinking, I want a job where I can have impact. I'd like more satisfaction. I, I want meaning and purpose. The social commitments of the company, meaning how the company is seen by the world or their customers as being charitable and wanting to contribute to the community. All of these factors are important to candidates today. 20 years ago, if I was interviewing somebody and I says, yeah, so let's talk about the charitable contributions of this company, they would have looked at me funny and said, what? You know, maybe a lot of that's virtue signaling, right? That, you know, we're, we're doing these things for marketing. I can't speak to that. I don't know the leaders of each of those companies, right? But it's important to candidates. You know, they want to be proud of the company that they're working for. And that's part of it. Like, do we, are we building great products that solve a real problem? Are we good members? Is my company a good member of the community, right? There's lots of corporate career websites that talk about the amount of time that the company gives each employee to go out and do volunteer work and stuff like that, right? Super common today, not as common in the past. So as we look at how candidates decide on what they're wanting and how we attract them, there's changes happening too. So it's not like, oh, we just never define these things, but we need to be defining them in relation to the changes that are happening around us on a much more global level. Mm, so it's not about salary anymore. So not only about, it is a lot about purpose-driven as well. The newer generations, when we take a look at how, you know, workplaces, environments, and conditions are today, like new work or shorter weeks, same amount of salary. This is some kind of we have here in Germany at the moment. So employees are way more conscious about, as you said, where they want to work, why they want to work, and you know what purpose is behind that. As you said, how they have an impact on everything. And this is actually an interesting point that this is already a part of the hiring process. I think it's a bad idea to sell something which you are not really in your company in your daily life. So you need to be you need to be that company. So in order to to attract people today, you need to work on your culture first. Then you can determine those requirements. Then you can go into the interviews and then you can show the people who you are and what you're actually doing and how it looks like. And then they can join an honest and genuine company in that case. And this is, I think, the process. So as far as I understand it, 
you need to work on your culture and, and everything around that before you actually, you know, work on the process to hire those people. Of course, you can shortcut this probably, but I think this, this would be the best way. And this is the thing how everything is actually connected with each other. You cannot disconnect several things and say, okay, it's only about hiring. Just get some people on board. That was like this, as far as I can remember, years ago. So it was mostly about salary, getting a job, being happy to have a job, being thankful to the company. Oh, I have a job. It's so great. But today it's different. The people, in my experience, they are not looking that much anymore onto how much they earn. It is like the work-life balance, all these kind of things. Everything must be in a balance. They need to feel well, you know, well-being is something very important. And we need to count that into. And it is not like some people are doing this and those are exotic. Actually, in my opinion, it's the majority already who's looking for those virtues for this purpose. Would you agree to that? Oh, yeah. And I don't think the list of criteria has changed. I think the way we weight each of those, how we balance, <laughs> I mean, salary, impact, satisfaction, meaning, purpose, all these things were on my list to think about many years ago, but they're being, they're in different order. You know, I mean, maybe salary was used to be number one or number two or number three, right? I think there's other things that have filtered to the top of that list, things that we would never have thought of, you know, a number of years back. So, yeah, and we need to be sensitive to that. Otherwise, we're not understanding how do you sell to somebody if you don't know what they're buying. I know mm -hmm. that's we don't we don't like to think about hiring as sales, but, you know, there's a certain amount of us selling someone on our team's a great place to learn and grow and do things and take your career further. And the candidate, obviously, they're trying to sell themselves their skills to get an offer. So I think I already learned a lot quite in the last minutes of speaking to you. And let's say if someone wants to contact you in order to learn about those things as well, in order to get help from you, defining these things, working on the culture, uh, working on the strategies, the requirements, all the things we've just talked about. So how can people actually reach out to you? You know, I mean, I have a website, but I don't point people to it very often. I point people to LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where I mm -hmm. spend my, most of my time. And if they want to just casually dig in a little bit deeper to any of these topics, they can roll back through posts that I've written on a wide variety of these topics and, uh, and reach out to me to ask questions. Hey, I read, was reading your article on this one topic. Uh, I don't understand this, or I'd really like to talk about this more because it seems like it might be foundational root cause of some of the things that are going on with you. Uh, invite or, or direct message, and I'd love to jump on a call and answer questions. I will post I will post a link to your LinkedIn profile into the show notes and I really recommend everyone who's listening to that to take a look and subscribe to his channel on LinkedIn because the posts of Jonathan are very very interesting so actually I read basically every one of them and I learn quite a lot so in my position as a CTO, hiring is a part of the strategy as well. Of course, you cannot determine any or define any strategy without having a good foundation of tactical and operational foundation. And uh, I learned through Jonathan that I need to work on those things as well. I need to keep those things in mind. Let's say 10 years ago, I was completely focused only on technology. And in the last years, it goes more into the soft skills, mindset, cultural things, cultural aspects. I just 
realized in the last years how important they actually are. And Jonathan is aware of that very much already and can help companies all over the world <laughs> to get better in those things, to understand those things, to learn how to work with those things and integrate them into the daily, you know, things like strategies and all this kind of stuff we need to do. So thank you very much, Jonathan, for being our guest today. And yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it immensely. And as always, I can't wait till our next conversation. Yep. Me too. So have a nice day and everyone see you next time. Bye-bye. All right, take care.